Welcome to Journey Church On Demand. We pray that you are encouraged by this message. For more information, visit us online at journeychurchdfw.com. Just welcome you to week five, the final week uh, of our, our recent series, and we're calling this Redo. We're going to redo. We talked in week one uh, on Easter about how the centurion reflected and saw the work that Christ had done and was doing on the cross and how he, you know, how he saw that truly was the Son of God. In week two, Pastor Sterling talked about the idea of reviving. Last, in th- week three, we talked about renewing. On Mother's Day last week, we talked about restoration, and we finish it by talking about getting a redo. So let me ask you something. How many of you remember when you were kids, or maybe you, your kids have done this, where they go to play a game, or they're doing something, and they lose. And they're like, oh, wait, 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 I wasn't ready. Can I have a redo? I wasn't ready. You didn't do it right. How many know what I'm talking about? A redo. In golf, a redo is called a mulligan. Okay? I just think it's a cool word. Everybody say Mulligan. 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 Now, if you're a good golfer like Brian Hoekster, you probably don't use a lot of mulligans. If you're not a good golfer like me, you use a lot of mulligans, okay? As a matter of fact, I'm so not a good golfer anymore, I sold my clubs. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it really is okay. Yeah, I played army golf, left, right, left, right. I paid for the whole course. I wanted to use the whole course, you know what I mean? Anyways. So several years ago, when I was youth pastoring, some youth pastors uh, around the area, we decided we were going to go to the National Youth Pastors Conference in, in uh, Kansas City. This has probably been 10 years or better. So we decided, okay, we're all going to go. It's not cheap, so we decided we would kind of carpool. So we did our youth service on Wednesday night, and we met at Abundant Life in Grapevine at 10 o'clock that night. And we, there were about eight of us, I believe. We loaded into their church van and we drove all night to Kansas City. And the reason we did that was we wanted to get to Kansas City in the morning, check into our hotel, take a two, three hour nap, do a little sightseeing, and then play golf before the conference started. You know, we were there for the conference. That's, what we're, that's the purpose. But we decided to play golf. So we're out and we got to tour like... Uh, Arrowhead Stadium where the Chiefs play. It was a fun day. So we go out to play golf. And because there were eight of us, we were in two foursomes. And so the, the other three guys I was playing with, we all um, are pretty merciless. We give each other a pretty hard time. That's just, it was all in, all in fun, but we were kind of, we would really kind of get some digs at each other. So we go out and we play on this par five, right? And if you're not familiar with, with golf, a par five is one of the longer holes on the course. And they say, and probably Brian's closer to, than me, but five strokes, you should be able to go from tee to cup. Not me. The way we looked at it, though, was grip it and rip it. Hit it as hard as you could and see where it landed. That's kind of the way we approached it. But so we get out there and we tee off. And I go to my ball. And my, my ball's probably 30 yards or so away from a creek, like a water hazard. And then quite a bit of weight still. So I got out a three wood. Now, this is not a three wood. This is a four iron. Close. It's a four iron. And a, a wood is a much bigger head. Okay. 
And so I get out there and I get myself into position, right? I do my, my practice swings because I've already swung the club a hundred times that day, but I still have to get all my practice swings in. Get out there, start getting that in, and I get all happy Gilmore, the type of deal, right? Right as I swing the club, right, shoot it, the club head breaks off the club, okay? So my ball doesn't go near as far as it should because the club head broke off, and my club head goes about 30 yards into the drink. So here I am, and it was like, it was perfect form, nice stroke, I was like, oh man, And so here I am, I'm holding my club that stops right here. And the ball did not go very far. And and I'm holding my club for a minute. I'm thinking, that should not have happened. I'm not a golf expert, but that shouldn't be an issue. And my buddies start making fun of me because, let's be real, if it had been one of them, I'd be making fun of them. So I understood that. But then finally, after they got done laughing, they said, hey, man, why don't you take a mulligan? Why don't you take another shot? Why don't you take a redo? And I tell you that because I think if we're all real, real honest with ourselves, there are a lot of things that we would love to have another shot at something. It might be a past regret. It might be sad the way we said something, the way we did something. Maybe something we should have said or we should have done. Anybody? I don't know about you guys, but when I'm in a conversation with somebody, even if it gets um, a little intense, typically about 20 minutes after that conversation, I'm like, oh, I should have said that. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? I'd like another shot at that one. That's a good one. That's kind of the way I operate sometimes. But I'm telling you that because I think a lot of us, we find ourselves wishing that we could have another shot at something. Paul, when he was Saul, was a vicious man. He had gone after, he was chasing after Christ followers. And then I love it because then he met Jesus. Then he met Jesus. And the thing is, he meets Jesus and Jesus changes him and he changes him into Paul. And then he starts being incredibly influential and helping really drive the church, being what God really wanted to develop in the church and pour into in the church. And I think about Paul sometimes because you know Paul had to look back on at times the stoning of Stephen, look back on things and say, man, I wish I would not have ever done that. I wish I could have a redo. I wish this wouldn't have been this way, or I wish that. You know, I, I, just, I don't know how you wouldn't have those thoughts. And so Paul was going through difficult times at times, and, and I'm sure he wished he could have had another shot at it. Instead, God chose, chose to just walk him through those times instead of giving him a redo. Paul talks about that, God, that, that he was given what he called a messenger of Satan. It was a thorn in his flesh. And again, we talked about that a few weeks ago as well. A lot of theories as to what that could have been. But the fact is, he asked three times for God to remove it. And the Lord's response is this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul's asking God to remove it. He's asking him to take the thorn away. He's asking God to remove that that pain. And God says, no, I won't. But my grace is more than enough. He says, when you're weak, that's when my power starts to show through. And on a surface reading level, you'd read that a little bit and you'd say, man, God wasn't all that merciful. 
right? You would read that and say, he could have taken it away, but he doesn't. Instead, he tells Paul, instead of me removing it, I'm just going to tell you that my grace is sufficient for you. The grace that I have is the grace that you need for this moment. The grace that I have for you is that, that grace. And I think about, as, as I've thought about that whole idea and how I would feel if I were in that position, how I would feel if I were in that place wondering why, why would God not have removed that? Because God shows his power quite a bit, doesn't he? He controls the raging storms. He also can control the crippling drought. He causes pompous, out-of-control dictators and leaders to rise and fall, doesn't he? I mean, God shows his power in so many ways. Upon occasion, he takes the the laws of nature, puts them on hold, and can heal somebody of stage four cancer. So we look at these things and we say, why would God not have shown his power that way? And I need you to hear me when I say this, okay? Because God is not some insecure, acne-riddled high school bully that needs to show his power every chance he gets. Does that make sense? That's not the way, God's not going to try and establish his dominance. He's confident in his power and he has all kinds of ways that he'll flex his divine muscles. But all through the Bible, God shows his strength and his power in really unique ways. So why, why uh, wouldn't he tell Paul, my grace is sufficient for you? In other words, why would he not tell Paul, you're going through this moment and I got you. I've got you. I see where you are. I've got you. I'm here with you in this time. Because God could have said, you know what? My power can be seen in my hand. He might say, my power can be seen in my provision. But instead he looks at Paul and he says, my power is seen in your weakness. In your weakness. That's where his power is shown. So what do you do with this? What does this start to look like? How do you live this out? There are five things I'm going to give you on this. The first one is, in these my grace is sufficient moments, it means that God gets all the glory. It means God gets all the glory. How many of you know that there are a lot of times that we, if we're not careful, we take the credit, right? I did this. I did that. I made this happen. I had a financial struggle. I pulled myself up by the bootstraps. I, 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 I. If we're, that's just natural for us. I worked hard at this. I get the credit. But when you're forced through your weakness to instead of trying to figure it out on your own to really count on God and lean into God, he gets the glory. It's all about him. It's all about his power. You find yourself in a place where only God can intervene. And I need you to follow me this morning because there are those times where you have more month than money. There are those times where your kids are living in a way that breaks your heart and there's nothing you can do about it other than pray. But then God changes it. There are times throughout our lives where we can't do anything about it, and that's when God does something about it. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me this morning? See, there are a lot of those moments. There are a lot of those moments where we're like, man, I'm at the end of my rope. And when we're at the end of our rope, that's where God can start. Why? Because we're not trying to get in his way anymore. We're really bad about that. Getting it in the way sometimes. You know, it's that, that God, God just intervenes. Maybe you're sick in your body. There's no hope in and, of, in and of yourself. But God, why? Because it says my grace is sufficient for you. You know what that really means? What that really, really means, what that really, really translates to is when you're in a place that you need an answer, get ready. That's where it's going to come to pass. When you're in a place 
where you can't see what that next step looks like, get ready. Get ready because the provision is coming. Get ready. The answer is coming. Get ready. God's hand is moving. So the, the grace is sufficient for you moments. God gets the glory. The second one is when God's grace is sufficient, his power is highlighted. Now, I want you to really track with me on this this morning because I believe one of the biggest lies told in America today is I can handle it. I can handle it, right? I've got this. I'll do it all on my own. I, how many times do we run our business and we run it according to our own understanding and we don't involve God in it? How often do we make financial decisions about our family? How often do we, we even make spiritual decisions, but we don't involve God in it? We cannot be in a place where we do it all and then ask God to bless our mess. I think I'm preaching better than you guys are reacting. I feel like maybe I am. I need you to grab me or track with me this morning on this because I, I need us to understand what you can look at and say, I've got a marriage issue, that, but I can deal with it. Something going on in my life, but I can do it. Some parenting, you know, a lot of things where we say, I can handle this, but hear me, when you start to go through these moments and they get more and more intense, that, that shift starts to happen to where it's almost like a spotlight that is thrown on your inadequacies and on your inabilities. And when that happens, we start to see how far short we really are and God can then really step in. We're in those moments where we feel like we're drained. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You feel like you're drained. You feel like you're at the end. And, you know, you come around the corner and there's the Red Sea. Right? There's the Red Sea and then you turn around and there are the Egyptians. It's at that moment that God's power is, is highlighted. It's at that moment that God can show himself. I remember when, um, I don't know, I want to say I was probably 14 years old something like that. We were, we were at church uh, on a Sunday night and I got the most horrific migraine headache I'd ever gotten in my life. I was dizzy and everything was spinning. And I was just, ugh. And I remember our youth pastor's wife, Peggy, was also very, very ill. And we were, I was on a Sunday night and I'm laying on the front row and Peggy was kind of quasi-leaning on the front row. And I remember I was at a point where I was like, this is horrible. I, I want, like, major drugs. I, I want to be out for days. Knock me out. I'm done. And I remember the pastor stood up and said, we're going to continue to worship and pray until the two of them are healed. And God started to move. And there's nothing I could do to change it. But I, all I know was it was... I don't know, I don't remember a time feeling like that. And almost instantaneously, I felt, because it had gotten down to almost a tunnel vision type of thing. And as, as, as we're worshiping and praying, literally, I saw it just start to open up. And the pressure relieved, and I was up on the bass playing, and God, and God healed Peggy. It was, God, God was moving. But the thing is, we were at a place where we couldn't do it anymore. It had to be God. It had to be God. Why? Because if everything hinges on our abilities, we're not going to make it. It's not. You know, God is all sufficient. He's God. Sufficiency, strength, power, all of that stuff flows through him. They flow through him. And, and that's the thing. When, when, when we're in a place where his power is at work, then, then I, I just have to simply trust in that and rest in that. 
It's his grace that delivers me. His grace that sustains me. His grace that strengthens me. His power is made known and it's highlighted. Okay, so there are moments where God gets the glory. In those moments, his power is highlighted. The third one is my grace is sufficient, demonstrates his deliverance. And I think this is a big one. I think it's pretty amazing how God really can show his deliverance in so many areas. His deliverance shows up in some amazing ways. And I love that, that because God likes to show up in those do or die moments. If you go back in the book of Judges and you read about the story of Gideon. Okay, I love this idea because Gideon's got his army, about 30,000 people ready to go. And God's like, yeah, um, this isn't going to work. And, and long story, he whittles it down to 300. Now, you're going to go to battle against those guys with 300 instead of 30,000. And Gideon, I can just picture now, again, this is my sanctified imagination. But I picture Gideon being like, you, you want me to do what? Anybody else think those things? When you read the scriptures, do you, do you ever? Maybe it's just me. Thank you, Jillian. But I, I think about those things, and, and I just picture, he's like, wait, wait, wait. You want me to do that with 300? Yet, when they got the victory, no one could say it was anybody but God that gave the victory. Okay? God gave the victory. is God's deliverance. In those moments, God's deliverance shows itself mighty. You know, Goliath, he was a a bad-to-the-bone guy too, seasoned killing machine with the biggest and the baddest sword and shield. David has a sling and a few stones. And for all intents and purposes, he's a boy. Yet God delivers the victory. God gives the deliverance through that. It's in those moments that my grace is sufficient for you moments that God's deliverance can come through. You got to trust that. You got to lean into that because God brings the victory. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Okay, so number four, his grace is sufficient that it forces me to trust him and him alone. It forces me to trust him and him alone. Second Corinthians, Paul's talking about a pretty dark moment in Second Corinthians verses one, uh, chapter 1, 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength and we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul's circumstances were so bleak, Paul felt like there was a death sentence already in in place. You ever thought about that? Paul, Paul, right? This great theologian, we picture Paul, we picture him all, he's walking in power and authority. And what happens? Paul's saying, you know what? It's rough. It's rough right now. It's at that moment. God had allowed his circumstances to get that bleak, that desperate. Because from Paul's perspective, death was imminent, right? But here's what I want you to get. Why would God allow those things to get to that point? Why would God allow Isaac to get all the way to the altar? Why would he let Daniel actually be thrown into the lion's den instead of rescuing him ahead of time? How many of you know God misses all kinds of opportunities to be early? Right? He's never, ever late. But he does miss the opportunity to be early. Why would God actually make them go through it all the way to that point? Why would, he, why would Daniel have to have experienced that? Because God wants his people to know that he alone is their hope. It's God. God is our hope. I don't care who is elected a year from November. Okay, well, I take that back. I do care. 
And I'd be more than happy to share with you my opinions, not in this setting. Okay? But here's the thing. Whoever it may be, whatever that may look like, God is our hope. We could be in those most difficult moments. We could be looking at those times where things just don't seem to be adding up, where things seem to not be coming together like they should. And it's in those moments that we know that God really is our source, that he is our hope. So you know what? Yes, he could have, he could have intervened and Daniel not ever gone into the lion's den, but God ministered inside the lion's den. And I want you to understand it's when you're in those moments, when you're in those difficult times, that that really can force you to shift your attention to him and really trust that he is who he says he is. That he'll come through and stop thinking, I, I got this. I could do it all on my own. See, because I'm just going to be real with you for a minute. As a pastor, I get to see some really neat moments real close. Okay? The baptisms over here just a minute ago, y'all got to see them out here. I was three feet away. It's the coolest thing. It's nothing better than seeing somebody come up out of the water and they're like, yes. There's just nothing better as a pastor to watch when God blesses, to watch when God ministers and God does things. It's amazing. It's, it's beautiful when I see the growth of the church, when I see the finances, God's blessing the church, when I see with the charge. But I also see the attacks of the enemy on, on our staff. I see the attacks of the enemy on our board. I see where many of you walk through some really difficult moments from time to time. And I want you to know that that's, that, that's a heavy load to carry sometimes. Okay? Because it's one thing to be able to celebrate over here, and, and I love that. It's another thing to walk with somebody when they look at you and say, outside of a miracle, I'm going to have to bury my wife. And I've done both. But here's the beautiful thing about it. Either way, in 24 years of ministry, I've seen God come through time and time and time and time again. And if he really truly is a res- not a respecter of persons, which he's not, and if he really truly is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which he is, then if he's done it once, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. So I'm telling you this morning, you may be in a, my grace is sufficient moment, but you need to know God's got you. And it's in those moments he gets the glory. His power is highlighted. His deliverance is seen. Forces us to trust him. And number five, and I, it's kind of a spinoff of that, is his grace deepens my trust in him. It's not just enough to trust in it, trust him, but to deepen it. You know, because how many of you know when things go bad, when things get difficult, what do we do? We do our best to try and figure out a way to fix it ourselves, right? How many, okay, let's, let, let's get practical for a minute. You uh, have a bad report financially. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, here we go. See if I can carry the one. And if I stand on one foot and I'm trying to, right? Is there anything wrong with planning? Absolutely not. You need to plan. That's wisdom. 
But what I want you to understand this morning is I really grab a hold of this is that yes, money can be tight. And, and, and I've been there too, you know, where you're like, well, let's see, if, if I schedule this payment to come out at this time online, well, this paycheck will come in. And when that comes in and all of the things, and we get to that point where, where we're, we, if we're not careful, again, not, nothing wrong with planning. If we're not careful though, we could trust God only on a surface level and we trust ourselves on a deeper level. My challenge to you is those grace is sufficient for you moments, let that deepen your trust. Not just a surface level trust, but a deeper trust. Dig into it deeper. Let God start to really minister. You know, let him take care of it. That's why Proverbs tells us to lean not on our own understanding. Jesus tells us to to not be anxious about anything. And the only way that can really happen is if we really truly trust that God is who he says he is and we really truly trust that God's character is who it is. That he's faithful. He really is faithful. And he's loving. And he's merciful. And he really does have the best for you. And sometimes it's a hard thing to really wrap our minds around. Charles Spurgeon said this, he goes, let us lean on God with all our weight. Let us throw ourselves on his faithfulness as we do on our beds, bringing all our weariness to his dear rest. Bringing all of our weariness to his dear rest. I feel like some of you this morning, what you need is you just need to rest in him. You've been begging for a redo and God's saying, I may not give you a redo, but I'll give you my grace. I'm going to give you my grace, and it's more than enough. It's more than enough. And as we think about that, we really look at those things. We have to, to stop saying, well, stiff upper lip and keep my, stiff upper lip and keep my head up. And, and no, that's not it. It's got to be, I'm just trusting God is who he says he is. Allow him to deepen that work. Allow him to deepen that trust. The best way to do that is to have a relationship with Christ. I'm going to ask everybody in, in this room if you would close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. Father, I thank you that you have done a work in this place. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts and lives. God, I pray you would challenge us. Let us walk out of here deep, differently than how we came in. God, let us encounter you in a very real way. Speak to us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Journey Church On Demand. We would love for you to visit us in person for one of our Sunday morning worship services. If you have questions, need prayer, or would like to connect with us, feel free to visit us at journeychurchdfw.com.